Good morning, everybody. Good to hey, see you. Glad that you hey, are here. Before we get started, though, I had a present for you. You didn't know if you knew this. Yeah, it's a, um, it's a little booster seat so that you and I would be the same height when we were sitting here if you wanted to use it. There you go. There we go. All right. <laughs> All right. I'm embracing this. <laughs> he did not do this at the other services. That's not going to work. Okay. I figured this would be the fullest one. I yeah, get, thanks I get for that. I appreciate back. that. Yeah. And just for the record, these are not red skin colors. Just so you know, we're blue, okay? All right. Well, uh, we want to uh, welcome you here at the beginning of a new year. And uh, I'm Grant. This is Todd, two of the pastors here at CTK. And I want to wish you all a happy new year. Let's have an honest moment as we begin today. How many of you have already broken a resolution? Don't lie in church. Come on. All right. There's yeah. some of you. Okay. <laughs> the New Year's is a time when we have an opportunity to kind of look back over our lives and then course correct for our future. And some people use resolutions in order to kind of change the trajectory. I'm not a big fan of resolutions because I tend to break them very, very quickly. But here's two things that I know about resolutions. The first one is this. We make resolutions because we look back and we want to change direction. Okay. We want to look back and then we want to change direction. Here's what else I know about resolutions. We make resolutions because we want to look forward and then chart a new direction. We want to go in a completely new way. So let's take a look at that pattern and, and, and take a look back. I've been the, uh, involved with CTK for 13 years. I've been the teaching pastor here for the past decade, for 10. And one of the most profound aspects of Christ the King that I've witnessed has been the growth of the family of God. I mean, just in the time that I've actually been around, we've seen churches planted in North Bay, North Sound in Seattle, which has morphed into something different now. Redeemer Church, which is in Bellingham. We've also planted churches in Ferndale, Sutton Valley, and in, most recently in, in Southside. And it's been amazing to see how God has expanded out the kingdom. And those are just the churches that were planted out of our family. That doesn't include any of the ones that came out of Mount Vernon or Linden. If we listed all those, we'd probably be here for a little while. But every single one of those churches is a product of God's faithfulness. That's why we sang that song today. Which means he gets all the glory and he gets all the credit. This is all completely and totally about him. And I'd like to just start the new year off by showing you a picture or some pictures of kind of our latest little project that's just kind of actually kicking off in about seven minutes. So what you're looking at are pictures of the new worship center for Christ the King Ferndale. Okay? They have moved into a permanent... They've moved into a permanent home right in the downtown core of Ferndale. They've started services there. Their first service starts in six minutes. And it's going to be their first time in there. And uh, took over the whole place there. It's just been fantastic. Ferndale is also going to be trans, uh, transitioning as well. They've been using our video from Saturday night services over the last couple of years. And now they're getting ready to, to kind of launch into a new area. And Pastor Rich Warner is going to be preaching live in Ferndale every single week now. We're excited about that. God is building His church because he's a faithful God. Just for the record, we have been doing a lot of birthing. We're going to take a little break because there's no politically correct way to say this, but we're a little tired of being pregnant here in Bellingham, okay? <laughs> so we're going to take a bit of a break. We're going to focus on mom and make sure that mom's healthy and we'll be praying and anticipating when God's going to have us intentionally plant another church in, time, or, uh, in the next couple of years. I believe this verse of scripture is a great summary of the past. Lamentations 3 says this, Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we're not consumed, for His compassions never fail. They're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Amen? Amen. So that's a look back. Todd, give us a look forward. 
You know, the mission of Jesus has not changed in the church for thousands of years. He's given us the same call forward, and you perhaps remember it's one of the most famous verses in Scripture found in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. It's Jesus speaking, and he says these words, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So Jesus is in charge. Then he gives us this command, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded. See, that's Jesus' purpose for us as a church. We are to be disciples who make more disciples. Now, if you have your program with you when you got it came in, pull it out and look inside the program is our mission statement. Our mission statement, actually all we're trying to do is match Jesus' mission statement. We're just putting it in 21st century words. And we say this, our mission is to create an authentic Christian community that effectively reaches out to unchurched people the way Jesus did in love, acceptance, and forgiveness so they may experience the joy of salvation and a purposeful life of discipleship. We're just trying to do what Jesus said for us to do. The book of Proverbs says this, and I love this verse, without a vision, the people perish. Another translation of that verse says this, if people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. Church, I want us, we want us to be most blessed, that we would do what God is up to and follow what God has called for us to do. And hopefully that's why you're all here today. Here's the deal. If you're sick, you go to the doctor. The doctor gives you a prescription or he says, hey, you need to change your, your lifestyle. You need to not do this. Get away from stress. Take these medications. You know, do this exercise. Eat these things. Why? Because you want to get healthy. Or, or, for example, my kids are in basketball. My kids have coaches. The coaches tell, hey, I want you to do these drills. I want you to work on this shot. I want you to you know, practice this way and, and do these things. And they, they, you know, they sweat and they try, and they're getting better. Here's the thing. We're trying to be kind of like a spiritual doctors or coaches this morning. We're, we're trying to encourage all of us together to get on board and go in the same direction. So this new year, 2013, we have five resolutions for you. We believe these are catalytic processes that if you're willing to engage, you will find yourself not only moving closer to God, but deeper in your faith and truthfully living the life that somewhere along the line you probably have said, you know, this is the spiritual life I really want. So Grant, will you start us with our first of our five? So another way to say what Todd just said was, is God loves you and we have a wonderful plan for your life. That's what we're working Amen. on, okay? Yeah. So here's the first of the five resolutions. It's to avail yourself of practical teaching, Okay. And this is where my commitment comes in. My commitment as the teaching pastor of Christ the King is that every single week I'm going to do the best I can to make the Bible come alive for you. One of my goals is that you will go home and actually see and seek for yourself to find out whether or not I told you the truth. To see whether or not what I told you from Scripture was actually true. I want to teach with passion and joy. I want you to make you question every single word. I have a conviction in my heart that it's a sin to bore people with the message of Jesus. And so that means every week we're going to try to do things that are creative and passionate and always applicable to your life. I have another core belief. People care about what works and they care about what's true. true. I believe the Bible has as its goal transformation more than information. God knows we've got enough Bible trivia people out there that just kind of throw verses around randomly. My question is always this, so what? So you know a new Bible story, so what? How does that apply to everything that God has going on in your life? I want to encourage you to have multiple sources when it comes to teaching. Because the reality is, you can't survive on what I can give you in 30 minutes a week. 
You've heard me say this before. It would be absolutely crazy if I took you to the Chinese buffet across the parking lot and said, okay, here's the deal. You have 28 minutes to consume as much nutrition and that's all you're going to get for the entire week. But here's the buffet. Ready, set, go! Now some of you would like, I'd like to try that just once, right? My, my children would do that. Your, yeah. your kids would yeah. want to do that. But that's what we do with church all the time. We actually think we can survive on, on, on that little sliver of time teaching. And we wonder why we run out of spiritual energy Monday afternoon. And I'm just telling you, it's just not enough. A part of the discipline is learning how to feed ourselves. So I just want to encourage you. I don't care, I don't care how you add it. I just care that you add something to supplement. It could be a Beth Moore Bible study. It could be Chuck Swindoll on the radio, podcast video. Stock the fridge and eat consistently. That's why the Bible says this. Therefore, whoever hears these words of mine and puts them into practice... It's like a wise man who built his house on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and doesn't put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. You know what happens to a house that's built on a sand? It collapses. That's what happens. God's saying, build your life on the solid rock of Jesus and the Word. Don't be just a hearer of the Word, because we know what happens with that, right? In one ear, out the other. The Bible says be a hearer of the word and also to be a doer of the word. So make the decision. I will faithfully and consistently engage my heart and my mind with the teaching of God's word. Now, this is going to be tested next weekend when we win this afternoon. Because <laughs> the game is at 10 a.m., 10 o'clock. <laughs> Three words for you. Letters. D-V-R. D-R. Yeah. Preach no it. Preach it. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> Number two, he's talking about the outside coming in. I want to talk now about the inside. If you are new to the faith, or even if you're stuck and you want to grow, or if you've been part of the faith journey for a very long time, private disciplines are absolutely essential. There is simply overwhelming evidence, and I mean that, quantifiable proof that if you want to grow with God, you must engage private or spiritual disciplines. A few years ago, there was a study done of over 80,000 Christians from over 200 churches nationwide. They discovered that people who label themselves as spiritually stalled in life, feeling like, you know what, I kind of got to place, but I, I just haven't gotten any further. The number one thing that helped those people unstall was re-engaging private disciplines. So today I want to give you a three. I'd call them three primary spiritual disciplines. When examining, this is the first one, when examining which private spiritual practice had the most impact, it was hands down without comparison the study of and reflection on the Bible. In fact, the study when they examined it, what they found out is it's kind of like vanilla ice cream is to all the rest of the ice creams. You can chart out, you know, what's the best seller every year. Vanilla is always number one. In fact, it's so far above chocolate and strawberry and all the rest, it's almost on its own chart. They said the same thing is true. These people who are studying Christians and how they grow, they're just, the same thing is true when you reflect on the Bible for yourself. It is the number one thing that will help someone grow spiritually. And so, church, I want to challenge you. Read your Bible every day. Now, there's a lot of ways you can do that. In fact, out in the comments today, we have for sale for a dollar a, you know, kind of, you can read through the Bible in two years. You can pick up this study. You can have it. It's a little booklet. You can check it off every day you read. That's one way you can do it. I, I personally use a phone app called YouVersion. YouVersion is a Bible study thing you can do online, and every morning at 6 a.m., you can tell when you want, you know, you want it at 3.30 a.m. because you're weird, or you want it at 9 because you're lazy, whatever you want. Um, <laughs> You, you, can, you can have it sent to your phone and says, here's your text for the day. Here's what you need to read. 
It's a practical way. Hey, let's use technologies to our advantage, whether it's DVRing um, next week or, or it's even wanting to study God's Word on a daily basis. Let's use technology for our advantage to study God's Word on a daily basis. Literally, this thing above all else will change your life. That's number one. Second, pray to seek guidance. That's our second probably most powerful discipline that you can have. Christian thinker and author Dallas Willard claims that solitude and silence with Jesus are the foundational disciplines by which people grow in their faith. Spiritual discipline guru uh, Richard Foster says this, real prayer is something we learn. Now think about this. It's actually it's something we learn? Well, yeah, actually there's a portion of scripture, Matthew chapter 6, where Jesus actually teaches his people how to pray. We know this prayer. In fact, many of us know it in the King James Version, the old version, if you've been around church for a while. It's often called the Lord's Prayer. You'll remember it. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be that. You could probably recite it right now. What the content of that prayer is, is the content of what I think what Jesus was trying to teach us to pray. That we're going to celebrate God first. That we're going to go to him and ask that his kingdom become more present in our daily lives. That we ask that God provide for our basic needs. That we're not looking for that extravagant life, but we're looking just to have our needs met. That we're looking for forgiveness and we're looking for to, to, you know, to kind of rid sin in our life. These are just the basics of prayer. And Jesus gave us a how-to. So I want to encourage you, what if every day you spent just a minimum of 10 minutes with the Lord in prayer? To say, you know what, I'm going to give God 10 minutes of my life where I'm not only just going to you know, maybe pray through the Lord's prayer and say, okay, Lord, what, what do I need to learn here? But, but also, what if you listened to God? Where you paused your life long enough to go, Lord, what is it that you want to teach and tell me today? What a great question. I, I'd, I could preach a whole sermon on this. But, but a beautiful thing, that's number two, is seek, God's, seek God in prayer for guidance. And number three is this. And you may say, oh, this kind of is coming from right field, but actually I think in our culture this is absolutely primary, is tithing. I'll make this statement. Your wallet talks. And according to Jesus, where you spend your money, or he says where you spend your treasures, there your heart is also going to go. go. So if you want to develop your heart to be a spiritual heart, put your money where you want your heart to go. And so Jesus says to us, I mean, we see it throughout the scriptures, is tithing is the way to do that. Now there's a phrase I want to use in this, and I think this phrase will help us understand how do you exactly do this. The phrase is this, prioritized percentage giving. What do I mean by that? In the Old Testament, we see over and over again that God called his people to give their very first and their very best to him. So we prioritize our giving. So when you look at the money that you earn on a monthly basis, you say, I'm going to give my very first to God. I'm going to prioritize and say, above every other bill, before anything I do anything else, if I really want my heart to grow to the God of the universe, I, to help it not be greedy, I'm going to give to God first. And so what do you do? It doesn't matter if you're rich or poor. It doesn't matter what you make or where you are. Give, give a percentage of your income. And God understands fair. He says, hey, listen, give 10%. That's a great minimum benchmark. And I want to encourage the church, if we were to do that, it, you just don't realize what it does to change us. Well, there was a story I received from a gal here in the church, and I want to read that story to you because she was kind of responding to this very issue right before Christmas. Listen to her story. I got this about a month ago. It says, good afternoon, Todd. I wanted to thank you for your message a few weeks ago. One part of your message, you talk about God's faithfulness. Well, in April, my divorce was finalized with my husband of seven years. For over seven years, I struggled with his addiction to crack cocaine. I went from yelling matches to just asking him to admit his problems so I could help him. Needless to say, it was destroying me and our three children to where he finally returned to his hometown on the East Coast. He was raised in the church, and I pray that he will fully surrender his life over to God and do as God called him. 
So back to your message. You mentioned that you had a conversation with your wife a few years ago about money being tight, and you had to choose between tithing or buying Christmas presents. Well, I too had to make such a decision, and I explained it to my kids that they weren't going to get Christmas presents this year, and they understood. It still made me feel bad, but I know that God has provided all our needs. And then she puts in quotes, shelter, food, clothing, etc. And she said this, I went to my post office box today, and there were four checks. Each was $4,000. They were from my kid's father. I never sought child support, and this is the first we have heard from him since February. I know God's hand is on this. Thank you, God. Merry Christmas, Shawnee. Isn't that awesome? Incredible story. I think too often we live in fear when it comes to money. And we're not willing to let God be God and show us how extravagant he can love us financially. Church, I have a question for you. Will you make the decision to be faithful in your private disciplines? So here it is. Will you be willing to take this? I will devote myself to the reading of the Bible, seeking guidance in prayer, and prioritized percentage given. Number three is have a personal ministry. I will be watching a game this afternoon, and at some point, while I'm eating a chicken wing and sipping soda, I will think in my man's heart, deep inside of my chest, just once, I'd like to not watch that game, I'd like to play. (laughs) I want to put on the uniform, and I want to get hit by somebody, I mean... That's kind of how it's going to go. We could there, do that this week if we, we want. We could, yeah, yeah I know. Yeah. <laughs> There's something inside of every one of us that just wants to get out of the stands and actually just once, just once, feel the exhilaration of what it's like to actually participate. Yeah. And, and, and that goes for church too. But the excuse that we always use is, well, I, I'm inadequate. I don't have anything to offer. You know, we all feel inadequate. That's why it's cool that church is a team sport. The reality is not everybody can preach, not everybody can sing, not everybody can teach children, not everybody can ush people into their seats. But together the work of the ministry gets done when we all do something. And Jesus, all through scripture, is always trying to get people out of the stands and onto the field into ministry. Classic Bible story. Thousands of people are following Jesus. He's preaching. And at some point they all get hungry. The disciples come to Jesus and say, we've got a problem here. You need to send all these people home so they can get something to eat. And Jesus responds like this. He says, they don't need to go anywhere. You give them something to eat. Now there's a problem. They don't think they have anything. I have no idea how they conscripted this little kid to give his lunch, if you know the story. But somehow they got that lunch away from that kid, which is no small task if he was a middle schooler, right? So, but they, they, they got the meal. and like, well, we got this. And Jesus says, Bring that little piece that you have and give it to me and watch what happens. I mean, I love that conversation. You give him something to eat. And right away, it's just, like, well, we don't, we, we don't have enough. I don't have anything that's worth offering. And Jesus says, take what little you have and put it in my hands and watch what I will do with it. God takes your little contribution and he can use it to touch thousands. Bring me your limited skill Bring me your smile. Bring me your love for people. Bring me your retirement. Bring me your knowledge of computers. Just bring me your story, and I'll start with that. Just give it to me and see what can happen. I don't care what the ministry is or even the size of it. If you will give that personal ministry to Jesus, I promise you, he'll multiply it, and he'll touch many, many people through your sacrifice. 
We have a, a class that gets taught here several times a year. It's called the Outfitters Discovery Class. It's taught by Pastor Mark Warren. I get more positive feedback out of that class than any other class we offer. If you take the class, and I'll tell you what's going to happen. You're going to find out what your spiritual gifts are, how God wired you, and how you can use that to benefit other people that are inside of your church. In fact, there's a representative, um, I believe Nikki and Booth, or Pastor Mark himself, is going to be in the commons by the connection point. If you want to go, move beyond good intentions and sign up, we'd love to get you plugged in. So here's the decision. I will seek out and engage in ministry to others. Number four. That's awesome. Can I have everybody, just for a second, close your eyes. I want you to do a little memory thing here. Now, if you're new and exploring the faith, this might not apply to you, but for the rest of us, think about how you came to faith in Jesus. Remember that journey. Think to yourself, how did it happen? My strong guess is that it happened because of someone else. You came to faith because of a family member a college roommate, a caring neighbor, a zealous relative, or a persistent co-worker. At some point, somewhere along the line, someone told you about Jesus. Someone demonstrated Jesus to you. Someone extended grace to you that had been already extended to either him or her. This is what we're going to call providential relationships. The word providential or providence means heaven sent. It's the notion that people are used by God to advance his kingdom presently. So what makes a relationship providential? Well, preacher Andy Stanley says it this way. When we hear from God through someone, or when we, when we see God in someone, that's providential. And since you're sitting here today, chances are you know exactly what I'm talking about. Someone, somewhere along the line, provided a glimpse of Jesus to you, or they demonstrated the truths of Scripture, or they helped in a chaotic moment because they were compelled by the love of God to do so. When we give and receive providentially, it changes things. And this is good. I think this is how really God intended us to interact, is that we would use relationships with one another to actually be God to someone else. That we actually demonstrate Christ's love when we're in community with one another. We'd be able to support one another and lift each other up and to be able to kind of be Christ for each other. That's why groups are so important around here. Now, you know next week, and you've heard this announced a couple times, that our, our small group fair is coming. We're going to have over 50 groups demonstrating new groups that you can join in and, and participate in. But, but what we're trying to say to you is that, you know what, this is essential. Because here's the deal. A lot of you come on the weekends, you go, oh, I love the weekends. It's so great. They have great teaching and great worship music. And I just, it's so uplifting. But for us, this is just the tip of the iceberg. There's so much more. For me, who's been in groups for years, what I've realized, it's in those groups where you get to actually have these deep dialogues about the person of God or are going to talk about deep theological things. It's a place where you could actually live life with other people and, and care for one another. When somebody's sick or someone's hurt, you could, you could actually support them and lift them up. There's just nothing quite like that. In fact, I've heard people say, oh, yeah, 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 I, I go to CDK, but, but my church, and then they start talking about their small group. This is where I really connect with people. Well, church, we want that for you. So let me leave you with a thought from Hebrews chapter 10. Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deed, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. The author of Hebrews is basically saying to us, hey, listen, if you want to actually live the Christian life out, it's going to require us being together to do that. And so that's why we're, we're really celebrating this idea of a living in a group together. So this is our fourth resolution. I will respond to God's prompting to offer and receive spiritual insight with other followers of Christ and those still exploring. Number five is being open to pivotal moments. 
This is where it gets really, really tough because you can't program a defining moment, but you know when you're in the middle of one. A defining moment could be the birth of a child. It could be the prognosis of cancer. It could be graduating with a master's degree or it could be getting fired. I mean, some pivotal moments are tough. Others are amazing. The one thing they have in common is that they change your life forever. A couple of years ago, I went to Africa. It changed my life forever. Looking into the face of poverty and yet seeing the joy of God in those people changed me forever. Now, I understand. I saw God in those faces. I also know other people have gone, seen exactly the same thing, and came to the conclusion that there could possibly be no God because of that kind of poverty. That's what I mean by a pivotal moment. In a pivotal moment, whether it's amazing or tragic, we have the opportunity to look and see God in all of it. Because I did see God in the joy and the fact that it came in the context of poverty. I mean, how could it have not been God? In those defining moments, the one anchor that keeps you solid is a core belief that God puts you in that moment for His purpose and that your responsibility is to welcome Jesus into the center of it, whether it's tragedy or victory. Scripture says this, we know that in all things, God works for the good. Don't ever make the mistake of stopping there. Because that verse doesn't just apply to everybody. The good's not just uh, operating. In fact, there's a condition attached to it. That verse says we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him who are called according to his purpose, which means this, in the good and the bad, the tragic and the blessed, the pain and the victory, how we respond influences our own heart and the hearts of all of the people that are around us watching. This is what I love about being a follower of Jesus. When I, wherever I go, I take Jesus with me. I never check him at the door. I don't do Jesus on the side. When Jesus saved me, he saved all of me. And that demands my full and absolute surrender. So that means whether 2013 is the best year I've ever had or whether it's the worst year I've ever had. In all things, in every pivotal moment, I look to Jesus, pray to Jesus, talk about Jesus, brag about Jesus, grab a hold of Jesus, embrace myself inside, wrap myself inside of Jesus, because that's the only place we actually find hope for the year that's coming. So here's the decision, no matter what happens this year. I choose ahead of time to pursue God in the highs and the lows of life. When you came in, uh, inside your program, you received this little piece of paper. Will you pull this out? This is our little resolution card. Let, let me state this. Nothing we've said this morning is new. This has been part of Christianity for thousands of years. Christians have been doing these activities over and over and over again. And all we're doing is trying to summarize this, pull this together and say, what if we did this together? Not, not 20% of us. Not 40% of us, but what if all of us as a faith community said, hey, you know what, we're going to step up together and really have a purposeful life of discipleship. We're going to get serious about faith. We're going to go all in this year. Well, that's kind of our hope and our dream for all of you, that you would say, I'm going to step up. I'm going to go all in. So will you commit to surrendering your life to practical teaching, private disciplines, personal ministry, providential relationships, and pivotal moments. If that's you, if you feel like you can make that commitment, I want to encourage you, sign this card. And, and maybe you need to put it up in a, in a prominent place where you won't forget it. Maybe it's on your dashboard. Maybe you need to hang it on your refrigerator or tape it to the backside of your remote or put it on your bathroom mirror. 
I, I don't know where it's going to work best for you, but what if all of us together, because church, here's the thing, if all of us together were fully committed, we're all in to Jesus, we would be an amazing force in Whatcom County. We could change this county for the name of Jesus, for his causes. And so that's our dream. It has nothing to do with anything more than advancing the wonderful name of Jesus, our Savior, and putting him first in everything we do. That's our hope and that's our prayer. So what I'd love to ask for you, Grant, to do is would you pray for us and actually bless us that we would have the courage to go after him full-time this year? Absolutely. Let's pray together. Thanks, buddy. God, it's another new year, and today we stand on the edge of tomorrow, not knowing what's going to be coming our way. And yet, Father, we want, to, we want to plant our feet firmly on the solid rock of Jesus. On Christ, the solid rock I stand, all other ground, sinking sand. So, Father, as we spend this year with our Bibles open, with our knees firmly planted on the floor, crying out to you, as we have a ministry in order to touch others, as we, as we see those providential relationships swirling around us, and, and as, Lord, as we embrace you in every pivotal moment of our life, God, I pray that you would bless the work of your children as we seek to make you famous in Whatcom County. Lord, we can't do it alone. In fact, human intention is, well, it's exactly that. It's just good intentions. Father, would you press us deeper? May we see this moment as a covenant between ourselves and Almighty God. Lord, that means we're going to need your strength to be able to do this. So God, we raise our hands in honor and glory and praise. And we raise our hands saying, Papa, would you help us to live as followers of Jesus this year in a way that you would become greater and we would become less. And we pray these things in the matchless and wonderful name of Jesus and all God's people said, Amen and Amen.